This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. I had to decide a ways back um, what exactly I wanted to do my podcast on, and I decided to at least begin with quite a few episodes on boundaries. And I made this decision because I happen to be a psychotherapist, and there's not a day goes by in my practice that I don't end up discussing boundaries with my patients. Um, I have quite a bit of experience in my personal life with boundaries, and it is just very, it's just a very pervasive issue. Um, I've taught several classes on boundaries, um, and so I thought this would be a good place to start. Um, I, I can do quite a few episodes on this because, like I said, it's very pervasive. Um, there's a lot to talk about. So let's just start out with saying, um, what, what are some examples of boundaries around us? I didn't really think about this much until I really started reading about it and teaching myself about it. Um, shout out, by the way, to my, my Aunt Anna, who gave me a boundaries book. It was the Henry Cloud and John Townsend boundary book, which, by the way, if you haven't read that book, I would highly recommend it. It's a wonderful book. Um, it was actually so popular that um, a lot of other books came off of it, such as Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries at Work, Boundaries with Your Children, Boundaries with Your Parents. It just goes on and on and on. It's a fabulous book. There's a study guide that goes with it. There's all kinds of things. And back in the day when I first got that book, when my Aunt Anna gave it to me, it was um, kind of a blue-green type coloring, but now... Uh, it's it's more of a red, black, and white. Um, so it's out there. Um, kudos definitely to Doctors Cloud and Townsend because they really put together a fantastic book, which I much appreciate. And I will be bringing up some things, uh, some analogies, and some other things along the way that uh, came from their book. So once again, I don't uh, want to take any credit for myself from something that, that they did, you definitely need to read their book. But the application of it is is very interesting, and that's what I end up doing in psychotherapy. So what are boundaries, really? I mean, let's start out with very basic things, like, um, you know, if you're driving down the road, the the lines that are painted on the interstate um, are boundaries. It's what keeps other people in their lane and you in your lane. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> For those that know me know that 
I can have a bit of a traffic driving issue. Um, I might end up talking about that later, but more than likely, I think I'm just going to probably put that in one of my blogs on the website. Um, so <laughs> that's a whole other topic there. Um, but, you know, when you drive into a parking lot and there's the painted lines so everybody knows how to park in those places, um, you know, when you go into a home, there's uh, walls that separate one room from another. Those are boundaries. Um, people have doors. You go into the bathroom, you close the door. That's a boundary. Um, your skin is a form of boundary that separates. This is where I stop and the outside world begins. Um, sometimes people can use uh, geographical distance as a boundary. You know, moving states away uh, from people that they are having trouble interacting with. And so they create a boundary of distance. There really are many types of boundaries, but those are just to kind of a few, just to kind of give you an idea of what are boundaries? What are we even talking about? Um, when you're at work and you, you go into your office or you have a, a cubicle, um, that cubicle that you walk into, that's comforting most people because it's a place where you can put your items, you can put a few of your pictures up if you want, and you have your work papers out in a certain order, and you know they're going to stay that way because it's your cubicle. There's not going to be anybody else in there messing around in it. Um, and likewise, if you have a coworker who happens to be quite quite messy with his or her stuff and disorganized, um, you know, you can walk into their cubicle. You might just thoroughly enjoy talking to them, but you're looking around their cubicle thinking, whoo, man, I, I'm glad I don't have to work in this. That suits them just fine, but you wouldn't possibly want to work in that. The cubicles separate out their space from your space. Those are boundaries, um, and they're very nice to have. And when you have them in those situations, um, people that are very different can work together very well. They can appreciate each other's personality differences, and they can laugh and cut up and, you know, do all those sorts of things because there are boundaries that are separating their work areas. But, for example, if you were to imagine someone who was very neat and tidy, perhaps a little bit, obsessive compulsive and another person who was just you know much more disorganized you know, papers around different places I mean it's organized to them but it's just a messier um, way of, of dealing with things these two people if you put them in the same area with no boundary between them the likelihood that they they would be able to maintain a friendship is almost zero um, they would be very frustrated with one another um, because their different personalities would not be able to be mutually respected because there's no boundaries separating their differences. So those are just a few of just common examples of, you know, boundaries that we have around us. Now, I will say that... For those of you who may be listening, um, who live on a deserted island, you don't have to worry about boundaries. Boundaries don't affect you. Only the people that have relationships with other human beings 
are the ones that need to learn about boundaries. <laughs> That's actually quite a few of us. Um, there was an analogy given that I thought was really good. Uh, for those that have flown on airplanes, and if you haven't, I'm going to give you an example of what happens. There's, there's a time in the beginning when you're seated in the plane that the flight attendant is up front and is explaining um, about the exits and uh, flotation devices and all these types of things. One of the items that they cover is oxygen masks. And if you happen to be traveling with a, a young child and the oxygen masks become deployed from overhead and they drop down in front of you, they say to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Now, initially, one would think, well, that's counterintuitive. And how, how cruel and how hateful is that? Because here you are with a young child, and clearly the airplane is in, you know, disruption if the oxygen masks are being deployed. Um, you know, you would think a kind, loving person would put the oxygen mask on the child first. But no. And if you think about it, it makes a lot more sense. Because if something happens to you, what in the world is that child going to do? You have to take care of yourself to be able to take care of those around you. And that is something that is very key in understanding boundaries. Is that there is no one else on the entire planet who has been given the responsibility of keeping you together but you. And if you don't, if you're too busy running around trying to deal with everybody else and you let your wheels get wobbly and fall off, then what good are you going to be to anyone? So boundaries helps us understand that we have the responsibility of keeping ourselves together and we need to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first before we can be helpful to anyone around us. Now, there is a video on YouTube uh, that came from the Boundaries book from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, um, and it's called Sherry, spelled S-H-E-R-R-I-E, Without Boundaries. It lasts about uh, between six and seven minutes. I would highly recommend that you pull up YouTube and go watch it. Um... In case you don't want to do that, I will give you a few uh, descriptions of what the video shows. And I will just have to say, it's very difficult for me to watch the video because of the, the boundary breaches going on. I just cringe and cringe and cringe all over the place. Well, the first, um, the first segment there... Um, Sherry is late to work because um, her mom was visiting her since her father passed away and Sherry was sewing something for a friend in the early morning hours because she didn't have time to do it the night before because her mother was visiting. Um, what exactly she was sewing for her friend, I'm not exactly sure. Why her friend wasn't sewing it, I'm not exactly sure. But whatever it was, Sherry 
was clearly trying to cram way too much into way too little bit of time. And it was basically trying to meet the needs of several people around her. Another segment, uh, there's a friend, and I'm going to put that in quotations, uh, taking Sherry's lunchtime. And I'm actually going to rephrase that. I'm going to say that Sherry is giving her lunchtime to this friend. Started out as a conversation over the phone. Her friend calls her and is in distress and wants to talk to Sherry. Well, the conversation goes on and on and on. And Sherry ends up giving her friend her entire lunch break. While her friend doesn't make any comment at all about taking Sherry's lunch. But again, Sherry can't control her friend. She can only control herself. But she's not doing that right now. Because these are Sherry without boundaries segments. Um, There's another segment where one of Sherry's co-workers is taking advantage of her because she happens to be a reliable person and everybody knows that Sherry won't say no. So this co-worker is asking Sherry to do some work that this other co-worker should be doing, but just doesn't feel like it is overloaded. So let's just put it on Sherry's plate. Now I will say, and I'll be talking more about this later, this co-worker is doing this because Sherry has taught him that she will accept his work, that she will allow him to take advantage of her. Because initially, we want to be mad at these other people. We want to say shame on them for taking all her time and taking advantage of her. And there is something to that. But these are patterns. You get the feeling when you you watch the videos that it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing relationship pattern that Sherry has established with these people. And that's part of boundaries, because if we have a pattern established and someone is repetitively treating us in a way that we don't like, well, like it or not, we really need to go find a mirror and look in the mirror because that is the person who is allowing this to happen. Initially, we don't like to hear that because we want to blame somebody else for it. But we're the ones that train people how to treat us. Usually people that take advantage, like for example, that coworker of Sherry's that is taking advantage of her, I would be willing to guess that there's quite a few other people he could have asked, but he didn't because he tried to take advantage of them in the past. And they said, I don't think so. Um, So anyway, another segment of Sherry Without Boundaries, uh, she gets phone calls during supper. She's sitting at the supper table with her husband. I think she has a couple of kids and they're trying to have supper and the phone keeps ringing and she's getting up and answering the phone. And one of these phone calls is uh, a lady that she apparently goes to church with who is wanting Sherry to take responsibility for overseeing a women's retreat because the former person who was in charge of it had to quit unexpectedly. And so guess who gets the phone call? Sherry. And, of course, you know the end of that story. Sherry agreed to do it. There's just a lot to say about boundaries. Um, I'm kind of wondering, you know, which one of these uh, segments resonated most uh, with people when they watch Um 
I think it's important to note that almost every example, um, really all of Sherry's examples given, and most of the examples that I hear brought to me in my private practice of boundary breaches, the vast majority of them start out with someone trying to be kind, trying to be nice. Um, and then it sort of gets twisted. And without boundaries, you're kind of at the whim um, of, of whoever that wants to um, use you to have you do things for them. Um, there's several different ways of viewing boundaries. And I think we need to take a moment and talk about yards. Because I will be referring to yards a lot as we talk about different boundary issues moving forward. So let me just kind of steer away from Sherry Without Boundaries for right now. And I want you to imagine for a moment that you're living in a in a home. Imagine that it's in a typical suburban neighborhood. Um, you know, you have a nice yard out there. I, I would like for you to imagine for a moment um, that the yards are all divided by white picket fences. And so let's say that you have spent a lot of time and effort on your front yard. You have done your research on your soil type, on what kind of sun your yard gets. You've gone to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever and gotten some expert advice on shrubbery and flower types and trees and different kinds of mulch and all kinds of stuff. And let's say there comes a morning where you're standing out on your front porch and imagine that you have a cup of coffee and you're looking out into your front yard just admiring the results of all your all of your hard work and labor and I want you to imagine for a moment that you look to your left and you have a neighbor that's coming out of her home and she's walking across her yard toward the fence that divides your yards Imagine that she leans across the fence and glances around your yard and then states, you know, I don't think I've ever seen an uglier yard. You had to work really hard to get a yard to look this bad. So the question would be, is that a boundary breach? Unfortunately, the answer is no, it's not. She's rude, and she doesn't have a lot of social intelligence, but she's in her yard, she's not in your yard, and she has a right to her opinion. She's not screaming it at you, she's not calling you names, she's simply stating her opinion, although quite rudely. Now let's imagine that she turns and walks to the front of her yard where the gate divides her white picket fence, and she clicks open her gate walks down the sidewalk to your gate, 
opens the gate into your yard, walks into your yard, and then bends over and begins to jerk up all of your flowers that you have planted. Now, is that a boundary breach? You are nodding your head up and down quite rapidly. Yes, it is. She is in your yard and she is pulling up your flowers. That is a boundary breach. I want you to imagine that what you have in your yard are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, your choices, which you have a right to them. That doesn't mean other people are going to like them. It doesn't mean other people are going to understand them, agree with them, or approve of them. But you have a right to them. Now I'd like for you to, for you to imagine a neighbor on the other side of you. This neighbor is very social and he loves to have big loud parties every Friday night. So let's say one particular Friday night after a long week at work you've come home and you're standing again on your front porch and you're enjoying your your tea or beer or glass of wine whatever floats your boat there. And try and just relax from the week and enjoying looking forward to the weekend ahead. And the cars begin to pull up and park up and down the road like they normally do on Friday nights. Narrowly uh, missing, blocking your entire driveway. And then the uh, pizza delivery boys start arriving with boxes upon boxes of pizza. And your neighbor and his guests are over there playing their loud music, enjoying themselves thoroughly and bringing in kegs of beer and cases and bottles and cans of beer. And some of them are probably enjoying weed over there and just having a big time. They've had a week of work, too, and this is how they celebrate and enjoy just kicking back and kind of forgetting about the week. And they're having a good time. It's pretty loud, a lot of stuff going on over there, cars up and down the driveway, or not the driveway, but the road, rather. So the question is, is that a boundary breach? Well, no, it's not. I mean, your neighbor is different from you and enjoys celebrating the upcoming weekend in a different way from you. All of his friends that he has invited to his house are in his yard. They're not blocking your driveway. The noise is not so loud as to cause a call to the police um you know they may be smoking weed which happens to be illegal at this point but you know just you have the right to just go back in your house and sit down and watch some tv no harm no foul well let's say the next morning you get up and you're a morning person and you go out on the front porch this time your rude neighbor to the other side hasn't come out. And you're looking over to your social neighbor's yard. And it is a wreck. I mean, all his friends are gone. All the cars are gone. But there are pizza boxes and beer bottles and beer cans and various detritus just all over the place just paper plates and napkins and various forms of trash you don't even know what it is 
And you're pretty sure your neighbor is going to be crawling out of his house until about 2 o'clock at the earliest. And he's going to have a pounding headache when he does. So you're thinking, you know, hey, I want to be a good neighbor. I'm a morning person. I've got the energy and the time to do it. So I'm going to go in the house here and I'm going to grab one of those flexible trash bags. And I'm going to take it over there and I'm going to pick up everything in his yard and take it to the dump. So when he comes out of his house about two or three o'clock, slowly creaking out, eyes squinted at the sun, expecting to see a yard full of garbage, and it's all clean. And you happen to also be on your front porch when he crawls out of his house as from a cave, and he looks over at you and he is shocked and so, so thankful that he doesn't have to just crawl around his yard with a hangover and a headache picking up all that trash that you've done it for him. He's so, so glad. And your warm and your heart is nice and warm as you think about your random act of kindness that you did. And so let's say this pattern continues for the next seven weeks. He has a party on Friday night. You go inside and watch TV because it's really loud outside. And the next morning, you get up and go clean everything up. Now, keep in mind, he's never asked you to do any of that. But you knew that he was going to be hurting the next day, and you wanted to be a good neighbor. So you do it for eight weeks in a row. Now, let's say the ninth week rolls around, and you have other plans. And so you did not go over there and clean up his yard. But you did happen to be on your front porch whenever he comes out about 2 or 3 o'clock. This time, what do you expect that he's going to expect when he looks at his yard. Mm-hmm. He's going to expect that you have cleaned it up. Now, this time, when he walks out on his front porch and sees all the trash in his yard from his party, from his guests, and he's going to glance over at you sitting on your porch, what do you think he's going to say now? Mm-hmm. He's going to be mad. He will have expected you to clean up his mess, and he's going to be angry that you did not. Now, why is he angry? I mean, it's his yard, right? It was his party. It was his guests. Why in the world is he angry? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you taught him that you would go over there and clean it up. You did it for eight solid weeks, and so now you've trained him to expect that from you. And so when you decide not to do that anymore, now he's angry. This is a form of boundary breach. This is where you go into someone else's yard, and you prevent them from experiencing the natural consequences of their choices. So then they continue to expect you to do that moving forward. And when you stop doing it, they get upset. So boundary breaching is not only when someone comes in your yard, but it's also when you go in someone else's yard. Now, I would say a common example of this would be codependency. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this episode um, talking about codependency, but codependency is basically when 
you are trying as hard as you can to prevent someone else from experiencing the natural consequences of their choices. And you're taking responsibility for how they feel. They don't have to because you are. A common motto of codependence is they're trying to keep the peace. If I had a dollar for every person, every patient that I ever had who came into my office and said they were just trying to keep the peace, I would be able to buy a new car. I'm just saying someone else's peace is not our responsibility. Again, there's a lot of nuances here, and there's a lot of things that we can say. Um, I'm imagining some episodes in the future. I will introduce some questions that I frequently get asked. Um, And as the podcast progresses and I learn more, this is my first one, by the way. So kudos to anybody out there, and thank you to everyone who is willing to listen and jump on board and have patience with me as I learn how to do a podcast. (laughs) But I'm learning, and I'm learning how to do the audio editing and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, But we'll keep going, and hopefully we'll continue to be able to try to talk about things that people find useful. So anyway, this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.